Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, episode number 18. 18, our podcast is a legal adult. I I was just going to say, oh man, you beat me to it. (laughs) Which means... It can work over 40 hours a week after 7 p.m. Yep, that's right. Mm. Okay, today, Tim is going to talk about biblically recharging. But before we do that, as always, we have some Thinklings business to tend to. Let's talk about some books. Books and business. (laughs) Man, you really steered into that skid. I thought he was going to ditch it about I did episode too. seven or yeah. eight, and then you just you just keep going. Yeah, listeners, you should know we do not tell him to say this, and we've actually talked to him about dropping it or not. But we, he keeps it, man. He is, he's, he's moving. His eyes. He is. He's he's like you guys just need to be quiet. So if you're interested in purchasing a book, I can help <laughs> you with that. <laughs> there it is. Well, there we go. No, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. Oh, right. It's my turn. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so, I'm going to talk about a book here. It's called I mean, Zeal. It's so early in the day, I can't believe your mind's foggy. Oh, <laughs> uh, Zeal Without Burnout by Christopher Ash, and this is a book that we normally have in stock at the Faith Bookstore. And if you want a copy, we could help you out with that. Shameless. Uh, seven keys to a lifelong ministry of sustainable sacrifice, and I'll tell you in advance, I do put this one pretty high on the goodness, the Thinkling's goodness scale, probably like an eight or a nine. Uh, I would strongly recommend this for anybody involved in pastoral ministry. Zeal Without Burnout by Christopher Ash. He talks about how I probably one of the concepts that he hits on that really resonated with me is how I'm a man, I am not God. And so because I'm not God, guess what? I have to sleep. I have to stop. And to think that I don't need sleep, to think that I can work seven days a week and uh, month after month, um, what is that saying? That's saying I am God? So it's like I can do what God can do because God doesn't need sleep. Uh, God doesn't need a rest. So am I usurping God's place on the throne? Uh, I thought that just kind of resonated with me and and to think that I'm being an idolater uh, by not taking a break. So that was a couple of points. Uh, he talks about how we are dust, and that's what man is. Man is dust, uh, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. We need uh, Sabbath rests. And so just to understand, we are not Sabbatarians. We don't believe that you have to, that you are commanded uh, to obey the law. And this might be a topic of another podcast sometime talking about the Sabbath law, whether or not the believer today has to obey it. We don't. Uh, That would be the simple answer. I'm not going to prove that to you right now, but we don't. But there is a principle of a Sabbath rest that does apply to us and that we need to take a break every once in a while. Some of the points that I didn't expect from him were things like we need friends, and he develops that some. I'm going to develop that some more later on. And then the fourth point that he has is we need inward renewal. And that's also a point I'm going to develop later on. Uh, discussing what does it mean to be refreshed. And we're going to get kind of practical in that. How do I go about being refreshed? I'll be honest with you, I've struggled with that through the years. You know, for a long time, I even thought, well, I play this little video game. That's refreshing. But it's always interesting, after playing that video game, I couldn't fall asleep. Yep. My mind would be like racing all over the place. And actually, there was like pressure sometimes. So it was actually kind of stressful playing the video game. 
And so I'm like, man, I don't know if this is really accomplishing the objective that I'm trying it, that I think that it's accomplishing or wanting it to accomplish. So I'll talk about that stuff a little bit more later on. And there's my book, Zeal Without Burnout, Christopher Ash. Who's next? I'm reading, I just started again. I started this book before and I didn't finish it, but I'm starting it again called, it's called Less Than Words Can Say by Richard Mitchell. He's a grammarian. Uh, he has this, he's known as the underground grammarian. This is an older book published in the 70s. And he looks at grammar in communication, and he's he, it's kind of a long essay about morality and grammar. It's the, it's the weirdest thing at first. No, I'm not kidding. But he, he tells he starts out with a story about he has a friend who used to write in perfectly normal notes, hey, let's go get lunch at 2 p.m., see you then. You just normal, straightforward, active verbs. And the guy became like uh, an upper-level manager at his school, and all of a sudden, he's using the passive voice. A meeting will be called today at 2 p.m. and your uh, admission or your attendance will be expected or something. Anyways, he's just, he says at first, you're thinking, oh, this is just bad grammar. People are writing poorly. Um, but he starts making this moral comment. And I don't think this is necessarily a Christian book. But he makes a moral comment that when you're using active voice, there is a person doing a thing. But when you use the passive voice, a thing happens to other things or people. And so it's funny. It's almost like you can miss where the responsibility for the action is. And, and I've, so I've, I've read like a third of this before and I'm trying to go back through it. But there are times where when I'm describing something that happened and I'm slightly at fault, I use passive verbs to say, well, this took, you know, this happened over here and well, it's because I did something. It's really interesting. So I don't know, I, I'm not going to give a, a thinkless, thinkling's goodness scale yet. It was recommended by a former professor uh, from a class. But I would say that if you're an English major or a grammar interested person, this might be an interesting book for you. So I'll give you an update and I don't know. What's super interesting about that is people definitely do that. No, they do. People, I'm yep. a people, but... I just, when you're sitting with someone who's explaining what has happened, yep. what has happened to them, and it's just so interesting, people want to be the victim, yes. but then they don't, and rightfully so sometimes, sometimes sin happens and people sin against other people, but they want to exalt the, it happened to me, and not the, well, I yelled back, I screamed, I argued, I fought, you know, I... I provoked, you know, something like they don't want to point those things out. It's interesting. That totally happens. One of his early chapters is called the worm in the brain. And he, he says, it's almost like there's this part of your brain that knows how to use English correctly, but you get a worm in there and it eats it out and then you can't use English correctly. But by the end of the chapter, he reveals that the worm is a worldview. And I'm not sure where he's going yet, but it's provi it's so interesting. So thought provoking that depending on the worldview, you're going to speak differently and you think that way. So, all right, that's all. Okay, so I kind of have a cop-out for my book. You know I've been reading a lot of Lewis, and I love Again. Lewis. Again. Some, some Lewis books are difficult and long and very thoughtful, and others are beautiful little children's books, like <laughs> Prince Caspian, which I'm staring at right now. But I did actually notice something in Prince Caspian that I thought was very interesting. It is a child's story. And so there's not a lot of like, there's the very specific, like blatant Christian themes with Aslan and, and those types of things. But it actually seems like he's emphasizing this idea of thinking 
in this book. And this is um, <clears throat> where Caspian and King Miraz are having this discussion, and he Caspian brings up these stories of old Narnia. And uh, so I'll just capture a little bit of it here. Your Royal Highness, said King Miraz, letting go of Caspian's hand, which he had been holding till now, I insist upon being answered. Look me in the face. Who has been telling you this pack of lies? N nurse, faltered Caspian, and burst into tears. Stop that noise, said his uncle, taking Caspian by the shoulders and giving him a shake. Stop it, and never let me catch you talking. And then this is where it happens. He, like, hyphens it off and says, or thinking. So, never let me catch you talking or thinking either about all those silly stories again. So, and it's, it's italicized. So Lewis wanted to emphasize this idea of thinking about Narnia, which is interesting, but I never caught that before. Why is it interesting? Well, he's, he's bringing out this idea of, of the mind of this young boy. He's like, don't even, don't fantasize about that. That's not true. Don't think about those things. Don't set your mind on that. Exactly. And don't at the bottom of that, that page, what does he do? He thinks about it all the time. <laughs> so he did not obey. So huh. on that note, let's move on to <laughs> refreshment. Refreshment. So the first aspect of refreshment I want to talk about is that you do it with friends. Often for me personally, as I look at my history, my, my past, as I sought to be refreshed, a lot of times I was trying to just do it by myself. Oh, I need to be refreshed. So what do I need to do? I need to get alone, have this quiet time or something like that. And there's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. But uh, a lot of times refreshment comes when you're with your friends doing some kind of an activity. And you're like, huh, well, you know, what about the Bible? Does the Bible support that at all? Well, yeah, it does. The, the value of a friend, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and, and the dynamic here is a little bit different than what I'm, I'm doing, but there's still, there's a value in numbers. That's the idea here. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. So he's talking about productivity here. You can make more money. You can get more done when you're working with somebody. Verse 10, For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. So he's not talking about productivity there. He's talking actually about safety. And working with somebody produces safety. Now verse, uh, what is that? Verse 11, Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? All right, so here he's not necessarily talking about safety. It's just like life is better. <laughs> it's warm. <laughs> so like freezing cold at night, you know, um, uh, snuggle up everybody because it's stinking cold outside and the heater's broken. Okay, verse 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And a lot of people, they look at that and they're like, oh, two, okay, two. And then he's like, oh, three, the threefold cord. Oh, that's like, you know, my wife, me, and God. No, that's not what he's talking about there. The point is that there's value in numbers. And yes, you know, you need to have God in your relationship with you and your wife, all right? But that's not what's being taught in Ecclesiastes 4.13. How many, how many weddings have you been a part of? 4.12, sorry, 4.12, not 4.13. How many weddings have I been a part of? There's like this thing that... Squirrel! <laughs> well, no, no, no. <laughs> so well, you've good. been a part of one wedding at least. But okay. So there's a lot of weddings that do this like unity ceremony in the middle of it. Right. And one of the most popular things 
is that they get this piece of wood and there's three strands of cord and then there's this music playing and they weave it together in front of everybody. It's like exactly what you just said. It's me, it's you, and it's God. Right. And now nothing can happen because it's a three chord strand. Three fold chord, right. And, and I was actually, a very good friend of mine asked me to be a part of a ceremony with this verse let them weave their cord okay I, <laughs> and it's a nice symbol it's not what the text is speaking I, on but i said i said the principle's true but i'm like this has nothing to do with marriage i said it but I was, anyway yeah solomon would even say a five-fold quarter six-fold quarter you know the more quarters that there are then the stronger that it's going to be and so there's value in numbers and well we don't want to apply that to the relationship do we <laughs> all right anyway solomon New York style. Yeah, he had a lot of cords. Anyway, um, so though one may be empowered by him, and two can withstand. We gotta get back to the Bible here. <laughs> oh, um, so the point is that how do you go through refreshment? You do it with people. Have uh, some time with your with your friends. Spend some time with your spouse. Spend some time with your kids. That is a time of refreshment. Here's uh, an idea for me, at least personally, playing dart guns with my boys, okay? And is that refreshing for me? You know, I mean, I'm sitting at a desk all the time and I go home and they're jumping on me and they want to wrestle, okay? Is that refreshing? Can that actually be refreshing and be good for me? Yeah, I think it can be. So that could be just a simple source of refreshment. Now, I'm going to go um, Zeal Without Burnout, Christopher Ash. He talks about inward renewal, and I want to spend a, a well, we were looking good on time, uh, a fair amount more time on this point. How do we go about having this inward renewal? And this is connected to the podcast that we had on endurance. How do you go about enduring? Well, if you're going to endure, you're going to have to be refreshed, recharged at some point. So this is a very important aspect uh, that's connected to endurance. Now I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40. And as far as this inward renewal is concerned, even as we talked about in the podcast on endurance, and if you missed that one, I would strongly recommend going back and listening to it. We talked about how the love of God... Okay, loving God is connected to endurance. Well, this idea of loving God, that's inward renewal. That's what it is, okay? You need to have your relationship with God renewed. So how do you go about doing that? I want to talk about that a little bit. But um, to, to talk about it, I'm going to talk about it by doing it. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40. I love this passage. It has been a great source of inward renewal for myself. The way that it's written, what it says is important, but not just what it says, how it says it is important. So Isaiah chapter 40, I'm going to start at verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Okay, think about that. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? What kind of a sentence is that? It's a question. It's a question. So what does that make you do? Think. It makes you think. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Furthermore, we have some figures of speech here. Because the obvious question is God, or the obvious answer is God, okay? And the the answer never even comes because the point isn't to tell you the answer. You should be able to be smart enough to figure out the answer, okay? And if you can't, then, well my condolences. Okay, so 
the waters in the hollow of his hand. You know, that's God. It's an anthropomorphism in the hollow of his hand. That's like the little crevice in your hand. And what does he want? What is Isaiah wanting you to think through? All of the waters, okay, God has measured them out in his hand. And he just exalts God and puts him on the throne. And this is why I just love this passage because that's what it does. It just it just exalts the Lord and renews my mind and refreshes my heart. The text continues. He's God has measured heaven with a span. But it doesn't say God has measured heaven with a span. It's an interrogative. It's a question. So I'm going to start at verse 12 again. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. And, and that's just a beautiful um, uh, figure of speech where, you know, think of like a flower cup and we're measuring flour and making the cookies or whatever. You know, here's God and he's measured out all the dirt. And wait a minute, what am I made of? Dirt. But the text doesn't even say dirt. What does it say? Dust. Okay? The substance which I am made of, dust, God has measured it all out. God has weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. And the text goes on and, and, um, and uh, um, continues to exalt the Lord. It talks about how he knows everything. And we don't understand the omniscience of God because we're so finite. We are constantly learning Every day, every hour, every minute, we're constantly learning because we are restricted in time. I have no idea what's going to happen in 30 minutes or an hour or tomorrow. Or, so we're just constantly learning to think through that God exists outside of time. He knows everything. There's nothing that he can learn because he already knows it all. You can't teach God anything because he already knows everything. In uh, verse um, 13, who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? I can't read my handwriting, but the word there is like instruction idea. Or as his counselor has taught him. Look at that. Nobody is a counselor to God. Nobody's taught him anything. With whom did God take counsel and who instructed him? Nobody's taught God anything and taught him in the path of justice. That's a topic. Who taught God knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Nobody can teach God anything because he already knows everything. We just can't fathom that. This passage continues to exalt the Lord, and um, it talks about creation. It talks about how the nations are nothing. Uh, it talks about how idols are just a joke. He uses rhetorical questions just to get us to think. Uh, and as this text um, progresses, it then uh, brings Israel in as one who actually makes an accusation against God. So I'm going to jump down to verse 27. Yes, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? See, Israel's making an accusation, saying, God, if you're all of this, then why is my just claim being overlooked? Now, I don't know what's going on in your life right now, and it might really stink. 
And you might be like, man, God, if you're all that, then why can't you fix this? Why isn't, uh, why do I have to endure this trial right now? God, come on. You've created it all. You're bigger than everything. You know all things and you can fix it. Why don't you fix it? What does the text say? Verse 28, have you not known? Notice the rhetorical question. Have you not heard? Rhetorical question. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. And this is a new theme, fainting and weariness. Now, wait a minute. When do you need refreshment? When you're fainting, when you are weary. The next phrase states, his understanding is unsearchable. And that's where he answers the question. He answers Israel's question. You have no idea what's going on, but God does. He knows it all and he is in control. What did he just talk about back in verse 14? His understanding. Who teaches him anything? Nobody teaches him anything. He knows it all. His understanding is completely unsearchable. You can't figure him out. Don't try. So then how do we, how do we deal with this fainting? How do we deal with this weariness? How do we deal with all of the, the stress and the trials and the troubles that we're, we're, we're struggling with here? What does the text say? What does the text say? Verse 29, God gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. The Lord is the, is the source of your strength. It continues, verse 30, even the youth, youths will faint and be weary. Look at that. You know, I have five kids. You know, I wish they get weary and tired more, right? <laughs> the kids just go, 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 go. But they still get tired. Can you have strength where that you can continue even when the young people get tired? And the answer is yes. What's the source of your strength? It is the Lord. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. And then verse 31, you might recognize this verse as I read it. But those who wait on the Lord, and the idea there is hoping in the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We don't understand the context of Isaiah 40, 31. The source of your strength is God. And so then how are you renewed? How are you refreshed? You need to think again about who God is. And when you think about how great he is, when you think about how Um, powerful he is, that you can't figure him out and you have no idea why he's putting you through this trial or this situation. You need to just remember who he is and place your hope in him. And he is the source of your refreshment. He is the source of of your strength. And he will get you through. He will get you through. And so I want to connect these two ideas. All right, I'm not done. I'm done with the Bible, but I want to talk about on a more practical level because maybe you're encouraged by the Word. I pray you are. Reading the Word is a great source of encouragement. I pray that your mind has even been refreshed and renewed right now. But let's say you're struggling and you're like, man, I just, 
I'm going through it again. Well, what can you do? When you're going through that time of struggle, what can you do? And I have an answer for you that I have found personally helpful. And it's have a Bible study with a friend. I'm combining the two ideas of Ecclesiastes 4 and Isaiah 40. Have a Bible study with a friend. I, I, I have a Bible study through Zoom with a guy on, on Tuesday nights. And I, don't, uh, I don't know how long it's going to last or whatever, but sometimes it's at night. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. Okay. And I just, I, I, I don't want to do it <laughs> because I'm tired. But I cannot tell you every time I just force myself to not make an excuse, but to go and to actually do it. After having that Bible study with him, I'm refreshed. I am renewed. So here's a great way for you to be refreshed. Open up the computer or jump on your phone and play a video game. Have a little bit of me time. Go for it. It's not refreshing. Have a Bible study with a friend, Mm. okay? That's refreshing. So any input, guys? Man, that's just... I think of all the times in my own life when I have been exhausted and I have turned to those sorts of things and you blow an hour or half hour or two hours or whatever it is doing whatever, maybe just not doing anything. Yeah, Facebook, food, whatever yep. it is. Yep. And you get done and it's just like every other idol. It promised something that it never mm-hmm. delivered. Mm-hmm. And yet it's so counterintuitive. You're, you're, you're wiped out. You're exhausted. You got no energy. And you need more energy and you need refreshment. And so do a Bible study. Mm-hmm. But man, you see a picture of God. You see a vision of who he is. Not like a vision, but like you see in the text, his character. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that will energize you, that will strengthen you. So man, I'm... Mm. Yeah, the thought I had was going back to one of those earlier podcasts we talked about. I think it was actually the re- first real podcast you're talking about good observations and maybe that it was early on it was yeah. we're talking about noticing the difference between active and passive voices and that idea of renewal is passively in Romans 12:2 but it's mm. also in it's second corinthians chapter 4 and that that idea comes up and it's it's passive it's letting it happen to you and so like even the idea of like, man, I really need some me time. Hmm. I'm going to go play video games. I'm going to oh, go yeah. out to eat. That's I'm going to do. I'm going to do. But Second Corinthians 4.16, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed hmm. day by day. So something something is happening. It, it, I'm passive. And so, you know, and, and I think maybe we get into that idea of, well, you just have to relax, you mm-hmm. know. Well, you know, you can do nothing physically, but your mind can be going everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's actually really hard for me to do sometimes is if I don't button up what my mind was thinking about, I, 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 it's hard for me to go to sleep. It's mm-hmm. hard for me to enjoy fellowship with other people. Like when have you been at church and you're trying to interact with people and all you can think about is, well, I've got to go home and I've got to fold the laundry or all mm-hmm. like, in your mind. Like, yeah. You, you might be sitting there like not really doing much. You're talking with people, spending time with friends, mm-hmm. but your inner man is just going crazy mm-hmm. and, and learning to really, I don't want to use the word maybe shut down, but learning how to kind of 
temper yourself in that way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's really good. I, I mean, I did not see where you were going with those two passages. And <laughs> yeah, brought me them together. That was that really was good. Mm. But anyway, any other closing thoughts? Uh, no, just one thing. It's just there are other ways to be refreshed, okay? And I'm just hitting on one thing that I personally found helpful. So, um, but but when you're after refreshment, try to be more cognizant and thinking through, okay, is this really refreshing? Is this really recreation? And um, that's another podcast in and of itself, leisure and amusement and all of these things. Some really good thoughts as you finish up your finals. And for about a month, you have a lot of time as you're spending time with friends over Christmas, over the holidays. Spend some time with them in the Word. Amen. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.